This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Lord, amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest, and we're so happy that you're here with us. Maybe you're out this way uh, for the 4th of July weekend, just passing through, visiting, whatever the case is, we're excited that you're here, and we're going to ask that you do us a favor. In the back of the pew in front of you, you'll find a visitor's card. Take that out and fill it out, and you can pass that card in to me, or there's a box in the foyer that says visitor's cards. You can place it in there. Or you can pass it to one of our six shepherds. We'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out to this church because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Well, I hope and pray that a lot of you had a, well, not a lot, all of you had a wonderful 4th of July weekend. I hope all of you had a great one, that you had some good barbecue, that you had some good fellowship time, and you got to see some fireworks. For those of you that live in Mission Viejo, you know every year at Lake Mission Viejo, they put on a big, big fireworks uh, show. So maybe some of you guys went to that, uh, celebrating our nation's freedom. And when you get a chance, make sure you say a special prayer today for our military men and women and their families who work so hard uh, to protect our nation's freedom. They are special, uh, special people. I am free, but not in a good way. Uh, my wife and children have flown to New Hampshire, so they left yesterday uh, morning at 4.30, and they are going to be in New Hampshire for about three weeks. So you guys pray for me. Uh, if I'm unshaven and unkept and I look rough, just pull me aside and tell me about it, okay? Because it's uh, always a rough time, but they're out in New Hampshire. Maybe they're watching this morning. Love you guys. Uh, hope to see you soon. Don't stay too long, okay? Um, so uh, just want to, uh, to welcome all of you, and, and uh, I think this is an exciting Sunday today. Before we begin, i got to make a couple of VBS updates. Number one, I want to thank you all for those who have volunteered. I think we have about 78 volunteers signed up, uh, which is a great number. That's about half of our congregation, and that's very telling. That's powerful. We still have room for more volunteers if you want to get involved in various ways, okay? Number one, we're still collecting t-shirts. We are about 60 t-shirts in the hole right now. So I know many of you have old t-shirts that you're not doing with anything with, and they're in your drawers or in your closet. Bring them to the church building. We've got some donation buckets in the front. We'd love to collect them. We need about 60 shirts so that we can finish making our capes. Uh, for the kids, because they're going to be superheroes during this vacation uh, Bible school. And also, um, rehearsals, drama rehearsals are tomorrow at 1 p.m., so uh, we're inviting everybody who's involved with that to come out tomorrow at 1 as we work on our scripts and our skits and stuff like that. And then also, on Saturday the 11th, we're going to have a work day here at the church, and I say work day, but it's really a set-building day here at the church. So if you can't get involved in anywhere during the week, this would be a good day for you to come out the 11th. You'll hear more details about it as far as timing and what needs to be done, but feel free to come out to that. We'd love to have you help as we work, and I think we have 160 kids uh, signed up, and that is a huge vacation Bible school, so it is a, a big process and a big project, so we need all hands on deck. So this morning, as we begin, I want to start with a really neat video clip. And I'm sure many of you have seen this video before. It's from the movie Braveheart. Uh-oh, what's Jason showing, right? It's from the movie Braveheart. Here in this movie, in this clip, England is invading Scotland. And in this clip, 
the famed warrior William Wallace is giving a speech about fighting for freedom uh, to his followers. And I really enjoy this clip. Uh, and uh, anytime you can get away with showing a Braveheart clip in church, you've got to take it. Amen. So without further ado, Mike, go ahead and, uh, and show this clip for us, if you will. Here in defiance of tyranny, you've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Right? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom! Oh, don't you just love that speech? Amazing, right? How many of you, by show of hands, have seen the movie Braveheart? Shame on you. No, let me stop. But it's a really good speech, right? Because in this speech, he's talking about the importance of fighting for their freedom. Freedom, there's nothing like it. The reason why you got to enjoy your hot dogs and hamburgers and your fireworks yesterday is because we enjoy freedom in this country. The reason why you're able to gather here this morning collectively as a body of believers to worship God in spirit and in truth is because we enjoy our freedom. And at times, if you are like me, we take our freedom for granted. We really do. We just say, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's always been. And we sometimes fail to consider how this process came about and why freedom is so, so important to all of us. And in thinking about this 4th of July weekend, that's what we're thinking about, freedom. And it's a powerful word and it's a powerful term. And when I read the pages of Scripture, When I look at the Bible, I see that term a lot, freedom, freedom, freedom. I love this speech so much, don't you? They'll never take our freedom. And in this clip, William Wallace asks a question. What will you do without freedom? And he said, are you willing to fight for your freedom? And in the clip, the guy said, no, we're not willing to fight for our freedom. We'll run. And of course, that was the wrong answer. Now, I'm going to say this, and I hope it doesn't sound too controversial, but here we go. I believe our faith, which is our freedom, is under attack today. Would you agree? I believe Christians in America are being marginalized every single day and told to keep quiet. Be quiet. Don't talk about Jesus. We don't want to hear him in the workplace. We don't want to hear him at the school. We don't want to hear about your Bible. Be quiet and step to the side because there is an agenda here. 
Now, I'm not talking about trying, us trying to make America a Christian nation, because I don't know if America is a Christian nation. I will say we are a democracy, and we're under the Constitution, but I don't know about a Christian nation. But I am talking about the freedom to be able to express our faith in Christ without fear of persecution or being really censored as we are today. And I think in order to be effective ministers of reconciliation, we cannot be fearful of the culture and what they have to say about our belief system. Amen? I think we've got to be courageous. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning, the courage to face our fears and to enjoy the freedom that we have. And I think Don mentioned maybe a couple of Sundays ago the Supreme Court decision to allow homosexual couples to be married. Okay? Guess what? There's nothing new under the sun. You think God is shocked by that? Not at all, right? As I recall, back in the olden days, they had temple prostitutes. They had shrine prostitutes in the Old Testament that we read about. There was nothing new under the sun. God is not surprised by this, but somehow we've become surprised, right? And we go, how can this be? How could this happen? And instead of asking that question, I think the question that we need to be asking ourselves is, what are we doing to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our very next door neighbors? Because guess what? That's how we change the culture, right? So that's the question that we need to be concerned with. How do we share the truth, the gospel, with the people that live right across the street from us. So I've got a couple of passages of Scripture that I want to look at this morning, and then really the message will be yours. Uh, the first passage is found in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And I want to talk about Hebrews real, real quick and set the context of this book and this writing before we even begin. We know that the book of Hebrews, some scholars say, was written by Paul. Others say we kind of don't know who wrote this book But the bottom line is Hebrews was written to a largely Jewish Christian audience. And if you think about the Jewish Christian audience, they were very familiar and comfortable with the Old Law, the Old Testament scriptures, if you will, the statutes, the ordinances, the laws. They were comfortable with them, and they knew them inside and out. They were raised on them. And Paul said, now that we have Jesus in our lives, we are free from the old law. And this is something that was very hard for these people to understand. What do you mean we're free from the old law? The old covenant, right? I don't understand this process. What does it mean? So Paul, in a lot of his writings to the New Testament churches, really had to spell out who Jesus was and what he came to do and how he was supposed to function in what our relationship with Jesus should be like in the future. So he addresses a lot of issues when it comes to freedom from the old law, right? So as we look at this writing, we see Paul somewhat addressing uh, this issue and talking about the importance of this cornerstone of our faith, Jesus Christ. And he says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Here we see Paul really uh, taking a step back in time and addressing some passages found 
in the book of Genesis. Remember when Eve ate of the fruit, right, and gave it to her husband, the Lord said, because of this iniquity and because of this sin, you are going to have to face death. But God gave humanity a way out, remember, and he said, Satan's going to come, and Satan's going to bite Christ's heel, bruise his heel, but Christ is going to crush his head. So what Paul is saying to this audience here is that Jesus has conquered death. He has defeated Satan. He has crushed Satan's head. You know, in order for freedom to occur, first, a death must occur. My great-uncle Otis was a Vietnam War vet. He was KIA, killed in action. My great-uncle Otis was an army ranger, the first in our family to sign up for the army. And because of that, I'm in the army today. Many of our family members are in the army, right? Because of our great uncle Otis, he saw the call and he decided to join the army. He wasn't drafted. He joined the army and signed up and became an army ranger. And he was killed in action, protecting some of his squad members. And Every other year or so, we all travel out to Washington, D.C., and we go to the Vietnam uh, War Memorial, and we take that white piece of paper, and we scrape over his name, and, and it's a powerful testimony of what my great-uncle did to protect the freedom of this great country. In order for freedom to occur, a death has to happen. And as we look at this text, it tells us that Christ's death gave us freedom from a spiritual death. And that's why it's so great to become a Christian, isn't it? Because when we die, all it is is a sleep for us, and we get to be transformed into our new heavenly bodies. We don't have to worry about a spiritual death. We get to go to heaven. We have freedom in that sense from dying spiritually. And it's so powerful. And if you're not a Christian today, you ought to become one so that you can live forever with the Lord. And, you know, in life, we get worried about a lot of things, don't we? we get worried about sickness. We get worried about pain and financial ruin and disaster, this, that, or the other. And I've read the end of the Bible, and many of you have as well. Guess what? Satan doesn't win. <laughs> he doesn't, right? In a, a life of Jesus Christ, you always win at the end. It's a team that you need to play for, the team that you need to be on, because in the end, Satan doesn't win. And the scripture says here that we were held in slavery by fear of a spiritual death. Well, why is that? Because the people couldn't keep the old law. If you're, if you're in your Bible readings right now, you're now approaching the, the major and minor prophets, right? If you've been keeping up with your yearly uh, Bible study readings, right? And we read throughout the Old Testament that whenever the children of Israel sinned and they made a mistake, they had to do an animal sacrifice and so forth and so on. And they were never able to keep the old law. They couldn't do it. So Jesus said, I'm going to come and I'm going to die once to give everybody the chance for salvation, and it's a powerful thing, and we still have that chance of salvation today as well. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 13 says this, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God, look at this, with freedom and confidence. 
I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged. If you don't have this text highlighted in your Bible, I would encourage you to really highlight this text. It's a powerful text. We have freedom to approach God. Now, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, you realize that the people weren't able to approach God directly, the children of Israel. They had to have a mediator. They had to have a priest. And they took their offerings and their blessings and so forth and so on to the priest. And the priest had to act as a mediator between the children of Israel and God. But because of Christ's death, now we have freedom to approach God through prayer. And guess what? We can pray at any time, and we can pray about anything, and we know that God hears our prayers. So as my children and my wife were getting ready to get on the airplane at LAX, the last time they flew to New Hampshire, they had a terrible experience. And the reason why they had a terrible experience is because when we got out of the car and I took them up to the terminal, there was a crazy man on the loose at LAX, screaming, kicking stuff, throwing luggage, and my children and my wife were terrified. Then the security, what are they called, TSA, had to tackle the guy. This happened all in front of us. And I'm telling the kids, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Right? But now they're forever scarred to travel by themselves. They want their dad, right? This go around, we had a similar experience. We go to LAX and we hear some yelling in the background, and immediately a Leyland Izzy said, Daddy! And I said, let's, let's just stop everything we're doing right now. We held hands in a circle in the airport and we just prayed. And I said to the girls, You know, God hears us right now, right? And you know that He's going to protect you, right? And then Izzy looked up and she said, Dad, I'm ready to go. (laughs) We need to realize that because of Christ's death, he gave us freedom to approach God so we can pray about any and everything, and we know that God hears us. I have a lot of friends that are outside of Christ, that are not Christians, and they say they pray all the time right? But the scripture says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But those that live contrary to the will of God don't have that relationship. That's why it's so important to become a child of God because when you pray, he hears you. This week, Alicia and I, we got some letters to the church office. Uh, Random people, we didn't know these people, but this lady, these two grandparents, right, wrote us a letter and said, will you just pray for my granddaughter because she is 35 years old and she's been struggling with cancer entire her entire life and she said i know the prayers of the church will do something sincerely yours and that was it usually we get responses for can i have some money right but this lady said i know the prayers of the church are effective i know that god hears us so if you guys just pray i know god will do something and that's how powerful prayer is. So I hope and pray that we are a praying church. I hope that we are a praying people because I don't think you can ever pray enough. Amen. And because of Christ's death, we have freedom to approach God in that way. And it's an amazing, amazing gift. I'm almost done here. First John chapter four and verse number 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Fear. 
Anybody here this morning afraid of something? Wow, we've got a brave group this morning. <laughs> That's powerful. I think all of us are afraid of something. Some things can paralyze us, right? Mary's afraid of ants. Don't tell her I told you that, but she's afraid of ants. It's weird, right? We're all afraid of something. The most fearful experience I ever had in my life is when I was in the desert and I was swimming. <laughs> How does that work, right? Well, I was in the Sinai Peninsula, and you know the Sinai Peninsula is surrounded by what body of water? The Red Sea. And at this time, I may have been 20 years old, and my commanding officer came to me and said, Jason, your job duty here during this deployment is you're going to be a lifeguard. I said, what? You got it, right? So one of my duties, after I got off of tower guard and night watch and all that good stuff and carrying my weapon, I had to go sit at the beach, I thought, right? So I said, I can do that. But he said, no, Jason, your job is to go out and to swim the reef to make sure that there are no sharks in the water before people go into the water. I said, what? are you kidding me? That's what you want me to do. And I remember that day when I got that, <laughs> that call from my commander. I called my mom and dad up. I said, Dad, I don't know if I can do this. You're going to have to come pick me up. I may go AWOL. I don't know where I'm going to go, but I've seen Shark Week. It's coming up this week, amen. This is, this is not going to work. And I remember being terrified, one, because I couldn't swim. So that year in the Sinai Peninsula, I had to learn how to swim in the ocean and check the reef for black tip reef sharks and barracuda. And guess what? I saw a lot of them. So now I don't even go to the beach, amen. I just stay water. But I remember being so petrified and so scared. The only way I was going to be able to overcome that fear was through God, right? So I would pray every single day, Lord, help me, protect me. These are your animals. Turn them away if they're in the way, you know. And eventually I got my confidence up, right? And I would go out there and swim and I would see the shark and give it a little wink and give me a wink back. And I wasn't scared anymore, right? I tell that joke, that's a funny story, but fear can paralyze us. But in Christ, we have nothing to fear. There's nothing that we should be afraid about because we know when we die, we receive salvation. There's nothing to be afraid of. The scripture says, don't be fearful of people that can kill the body. Don't be afraid. But sometimes our fear paralyzes us. And I wonder what our fear as a church does, right? I wonder if God was looking at our church, what would he say we're afraid of? Or us as individuals, what are we afraid of? And whatever that fear is, we need to attack it head on and not be afraid of the conflict. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. We are led by the Spirit. Now, growing up as a Church of Christ brat, a Church of Christ boy, this, this, this passage is, is difficult. This passage is somewhat controversial. This passage just doesn't mean, uh, make sense. What do you mean we're, we're led by the Spirit, because I've seen people that are led by the Spirit, right? 
They speak in tongues. They heal. They do all kinds of... What, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Well, what our theology tells us, our, our kind of Church of Christ theology, is that the Spirit is found in the Bible, right? And when we read the Bible, the Bible leads us, and that is the Spirit. I would say that's partly true. That's right. The Spirit is found in the Word, and when we take into the Word uh, or have the Word within us, we are led through the Word. Yes, I, I understand that, but God does give us free will to make decisions and choices, right? We would think if we're reading in our Bibles every day, we would be robots. We'd make all the right decisions, never make mistakes and mess up, because I know many of you stay in your Word all the time. And that's powerful, isn't it? What it means to be led by the Spirit is to allow the Holy Spirit to be in control, to add fire to the flame within you. The Holy Spirit gets rid of fear in your life. Remember what the Scripture says in Timothy, right? I didn't give you a spirit of timidity, but of power. There's power within you when you are led by the Holy Spirit, and you have some confidence, and you have some courage and some strength that is not of you. So when it comes to talking to your neighbor, you're not worried anymore because the Holy Spirit is in you. When it comes to talking about that or talking to the, uh, the family member of yours that is not a Christian, and every time you talk, it turns into a fight, the Holy Spirit helps you in that. And when a church is led by the Spirit, it's a powerful, powerful thing. Being led by the Spirit is amazing. And it helps us to overcome our fear, and it reminds us that we don't have to be fearful to testify about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, right now we're living in a culture uh, that has an agenda. Would you agree with that? You see it on the television. You see it, or you hear it on the airwaves. You see it amongst our political figures, so forth and so on. We're living in a culture that doesn't like what we have to say. And oftentimes what we do is we hush, Right? Someone once asked me, uh, Jason, how can you be a Church of Christ chaplain in the army when you have to be a minister to people of so many different faith traditions and, and, and different thoughts and different, and that's true. But I, I consider myself a good chaplain because I don't shy away from my belief systems. So when I'm in a public service, they say, don't say in Jesus' name. Now, that's not a rule in the army. You can say whatever you want to say, but most chaplains shy away from that. But every time I pray, I say, you can pray in your tradition as I pray in mine. In Jesus' name, amen, right? And you know what people do? They appreciate that because they say, Jason, you're not scared to testify about your Lord. And I hope and pray, and I know, looking at this group of people, we have the same type of spirit here. We have those people here, and I would encourage you to continue to fan that flame. Don't let people keep you quiet about what you know about the Lord. Lastly, last passage this morning, found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Our freedom requires us to work. And when you work for the Lord, you will suffer. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. I don't know about that passage. Wish we can just take that one out, right? Suffer for doing right. Have you ever had anybody take advantage of you before? When you were trying to do something kind and loving for them? You ever had somebody take advantage of you before? That's a hard thing, isn't it? But the scripture says, blessed are you. 
blessed are you because of that, because when you suffer for doing right, God will bless you. And I always want us to keep that in mind because culturally that, that is not a popular thing. If somebody messes with you or hurts you or messes you up or messes you over, what you do is you never speak to that person again. You throw them by the wayside. That relationship can never be reconciled. But Scripture says here, you're blessed because you're suffering for doing what is right. And that reminds me of somebody that we read about in Scripture. Jesus. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always, here's this one, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, I want you to really pay attention to this verse. Be prepared to give people an answer when they see the hope that you have. And you have had this experience before. You've had that coworker say, why are you always smiling? Every day is good? Really? That person acted that way towards you. Why don't you curse them out? How come you don't do that, right? And that happens to us all the time, doesn't it? At least it should. People shouldn't be saying, why are you so grumpy all the time if you're a Christian? It shouldn't work that way. But people should be asking you, why do you have that joy and that confidence and that strength? And that's when you, it sounds bad, hit them right between the eyes with the gospel message. Because I know Jesus and he's able to give me that, even in the midst of difficulties. Because when you suffer for the Lord, or suffer for doing good, you are blessed. And I want to make mention of this, this letter here. You know who this was written by, right? You can see, 1 Peter. It's written by the Apostle Peter. We talked about the Apostle Peter last week. Do you know what kind of death Apostle Peter went through? Commentators say he was crucified. Just like Jesus but upside down because of his love and his faith and his courage in the Lord. He suffered for what was doing right, and the Scripture says he was blessed because of it. So all I'm saying this morning is we consider what freedom we have in Jesus Christ. Let's be courageous with it. Let's be thankful. Let's not consider it just taboo or this is just how it is because we know people overseas. I love that World Bible School video, by the way. It was really great. You know, you can work on the treadmill and email people Bible studies as well. That's great, right? But even overseas today, people are dying and being persecuted because of their faith. And here in America, we, I don't want to talk about the guy in the clip, but we have our feet up on the desk. Everything's good over here, right? Let's never lose sight of the freedom that we have in Christ, and let's be courageous and not fearful of anything, but courageous about the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we do that, I tell you what, church, we can change the world. And I believe this morning that we have some world changers when I look at our auditorium and our church this morning. By way of invitation, we have a song of invita uh, by way of invitation, we have a song selected for you this morning. If there is anyone here that has been fearful, has been falling short in this area of testifying about the Lord because of cultural trends. You're not alone. All of us have been in that place before. I'm in that place constantly, right? Do I talk about Jesus here? Can I do that? What will people think? We've got to be courageous, and this invitation is for you. If you're looking for courage to be able to express your faith in the social circles or the work environment you're in, you come forward, and the church will pray with you and pray for you, and we'll all encourage one another as we testify about our Lord. This morning, I want to say this. There may be someone here this morning who is not a Christian. 
maybe one person here or two people here that, that are not Christians, I would say don't delay in becoming a Christian. You need to do that right now while you have the opportunity. The Lord will be on your side. You will be on the winning team. You will be uh, clear of all your sins and iniquities. You'll be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll get to enjoy salvation. Why wait when it comes to that? And during this invitation time, you can come forward as well, and we'll baptize you in water for the remission of your sins, and you can be added to the kingdom of the Lord. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come?